Hello, everyone, and welcome to We Hate People, the podcast which, like Donald Trump's hair, is in imminent danger of acquiring sentience, deciding it's had enough of this crap and running in the Democratic primaries. This is episode six, recorded Monday, August 3rd, 2015. I am your host, Simon Potter, and with me tonight, back for more of whatever the hell this is, Blackie. How are you this bleak night, sir? Hey, everyone. Um, I'm actually doing really well. I'm a bit tired. I've got a bit of a man flu. Back from uh, a weekend of skiing, or not skiing as the weather permitted, but other than that, doing very fine, sitting here with a, a red wine in hand. Excellent. And uh, if any of our listeners are wondering, uh, yes, uh, it does sound like he's broadcasting on shortwave from Dubai at the moment because of Australian internet. Yeah. So that. Uh, in fact, any one of us may be sounding that way uh, intermittently throughout this cast. And still willing to endure the ongoing indignity is the one and, as far as we know, the only David Holloway. How's it going, sir? Good. Although I'm not the only one. I Google my name all the time and there's a famous Russian historian that always outdoes me in the Google rankings. Very disappointed. There's a Russian historian named David Holloway? There is. Um... Dr. Mm. David Holloway. And the other thing is, could we actually run a We Hate People party and run for the Democratic primaries? I'm not uh, saying you and I necessarily, just an American citizen. You, well, yes, an American citizen. Of course, uh, we would need uh, a squillion dollars for that to happen. So we should run in Australia first, like we Mike Palmer. Yeah. yeah Do a yeah. Test, test case in Australia. The only yeah. problem is, is there enough listeners to generate the 500 signatures on a petition that you oh, need to get started in one day easily uh yes or at least that's what we're telling people that's right it's all about perceptions it, um, it is it, it is indeed uh, and um well i think the first thing we're going to do is i'm going to do a, a little shout out before we get into the meat and potatoes of this thing to uh my friends on the it's a trap podcast and now uh, i'm pretty sure most people probably are familiar with Red and Odo, but uh, just uh, Odo, just as just as if you're not though, uh, it's uh, just go to it's a trap podcast dot com and have a look there. Have more specifically, have a listen. They talk a lot about Star Wars and Star Wars related stuff. A lot of it to do is, uh, is to do with canon and uh, some of the, the nitty gritty. So we're looking at uh, books. And in a couple of cases, movies, specifically the prequels. So the Phantom Menace one has already been launched in two parts. There is also going to be, not yet, but coming soon, uh, one on Attack of the Clones. I've been lucky enough to participate in that. And, yes, let's just say it's been a voyage of discovery. Are these the Uh, ones that you put in massive hours? Like, they're, they're so impressive that they go for days? Uh, months. Months. <laughs> like yes. like the middle movie in the prequels. Well, let's just say that they're in depth. There is That's no good. stone that is left unturned. There is no grain of sand in uh, in the June Sea that has not been flicked over at least once. There needs to be more podcasts like that because we sure as hell ain't that. Uh, no, we, we are not. In fact, I, I'm not actually sure what this podcast is doing still. It's it's function. Although, we, we, as, I mean, Blackie asked about listeners. I'm a bit excited, and I think you are too, Simon, because we've had lots of twos and fro's over the last week. Uh, we can't actually read the advertisement tonight because it's not been finalised, but we have an advertiser. That must mean we're a success, right? 
Um, I think even even um, Channel Thirty One, that's the the uh, the local public access TV channel. I think even they have advertisers. Yeah, true. But at least it's not Audible. Like, I'm, if you're listening out there, go, oh god, not another Audible or what is it, Squarespace? What are the other most common ones? Oh, Nature Square- Box, Loot Crate, God, Loot Crate. Why you? Why would you? It's none yeah. of them. Why? So, um, well, yeah, next next episode, uh, we, we will read out a blurb, but it will be blurb read out with some authenticity in that it is a gaming-related advertisement, and I have downloaded the game, and I'll be playing it profusely between now and the next episode so I can put my hand on my heart and read the advertisement. Although, if I hate the game, God knows what I'm going to do. Well, I've been playing it on and off since the beta, so... Yeah, so... So, a bit of a, a hint, is it a, um, a PC game, an Xbox... And it's an MMO, um, and it's not one of what you'd call your top three MMOs at the moment, but I'm sure with our listenership and this ad, we're going to make it a top three. Yeah. It could be a PCX station game, but that might be telling too much. <laughs> so anyway, more next time, but I, I was just a bit excited. I thought it gave us, you know, 1% legitimacy, and it wasn't audible, so it was a win-win. That's true, yeah. although I like Audible. It's a good service. Yeah, so we love you, Audible, if you do want to advertise. And now that you've got advertisement revenue coming in, you're going to have to start creating a budget for all the, uh, the millions of dollars that are coming in. You might be able to get a soundboard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. An increased internet. I, I, I think I'm safe in saying I'm not pulling the curtain back too far. Simon and I have had jokes about how much money we'll make, and I've said $26.50, and he said $1.50. And I think the, it'll be somewhere in the middle of that. Yeah, but if it is... <laughs> if Double it, figures would be good. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, fifty cents is double figures. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Sorry, I'm hoping. I'm really do, hoping. Do they actually do they actually to... send you a check if the value of the check is more than the the value of the dollars uh, that are that's printed a good on point. it? See, and what scares? I haven't discussed payment terms yet. Yeah, that's a good point. Well, they send a check if the check uh, if the postage is more expensive than the value of the check. <laughs> that's right. Uh, look, we've always been a loss, ma- loss maker. Why change it now? Also, will we be able to claim travel on uh, on the, uh, the company account after the, the cash starts flowing in? To the post office to pick up the check? Though I was thinking maybe a helicopter to Geelong. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, segue of the century. Is there something you wanted to talk about there, Simon? No, not really. Okay, all right. I think we've got to do the nods to the uh, the listeners first, don't we? Oh, so, <laughs> yeah, okay, well... hitting the running sheet. Yeah, so we did actually have two um, excellent suggestions, as always, via Twitter. So uh, usually we put out a tweet before an episode saying, hey, anything that's particularly annoying you at the moment? We had two. Uh, one from JB, who I liked his, but I just don't know there's a lot to talk about in respect to it. And he's saying what what's really annoying him at the moment is stools. In fact, any chair without a back. Now, I liked that, and I agree, particularly as you get on in age. Um, any seating apparatus without a back is problematic. Why? It hurts your back. Don't you find that? If you sit on something that doesn't have something to support your back, you end up with a, in agony? Well, I usually sit on the floor. I'm also surprisingly flexible for someone my age. So Okay. Well, I'm the exact opposite, and I'm very inflexible and I was sitting on backless chairs down at the snow on the uh, we have a couple of lounges and a couple of backless chairs 
I found that offering people free drinks or getting a round of drinks for people gets them off the chair so you can get one with a back. See? But sitting on one without a back is very painful after about 15 to 20 minutes if you're not used to it. That's right. So you're thinking like an old man. I like it. It's because I am an old man. Yeah, I know. Aren't we all? Sadly. No, I would not. <laughs> so yes, thanks, JB. That that is one. So we, we, I doubt we can dedicate a whole episode to that, but I like the intention. And was there another one? Oh, sorry. I I just debating making a, a joke about stools, but it, it'd fall over flat. Um, yeah, I've, I've, the only one I know is a gay one, and probably wouldn't go yeah, down too well. That's right. Pushing up stools. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um. The other one was from Jay Connell, one of our most faithful listeners of both podcasts. Hi, Jay. Um, his gripe, and this is a very legitimate one too, people that spend more time bitching about their job than they spend actually doing it, which I actually think I've done on this podcast for half of the first four minutes, really, haven't I? Uh, no, I, I'm not sure about complaining about your job. You definitely seem to bring up jokes and, and ugly, ugly stories about colostomy bags at the drop of a hat, but yeah. I, that, I'm not sure... <laughs> Organisations you've worked for, yes, but not the job itself. No, true. I actually, I've yeah, I've never really hated any of my jobs. I'm sure. No, I haven't. Have you guys? Absolutely. I hate it. I hate my job with a passion. <laughs> yeah, actually, I knew that answer before you even said it. But <laughs> yeah, I, I come home every day, and well, on the three days a week that I now work because I can't handle working anymore. And when Mrs. says, how is your day? And I just say, I hate it. I absolutely cannot stand to be there. And if it wasn't for the money, I wouldn't be. It's the only thing that's holding me there. No, there's one other thing that holds you there besides the money at least once a fortnight. What's that? Our podcasts. Oh, uh, yes. Well, no, the podcast is the only thing that gets me through the tedium and, <laughs> and pain and suffering of actually going up and fronting up at the office. That, that is- that is truly terrifying. Also, um, just, a, uh, just a tip from a, a casual observer. Uh, when, when someone's wife asks them how their day went, it's really just a, 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 a cue for you to ask them how their day went. Yeah, true. Good point. Have you learned that one yet, Blakey, or is this no. a revelation to you? Well, there you go. Well, well, it's really good because I just say, no, but that was absolute shit, and then the conversation ends and I can go <laughs> onto the computer. It's good. Uh. It's, it's awesome. It's a... It solves the problem of having to talk to people. And that's what this podcast is about, hating people. And if I don't yes. have to talk to people, well, that's all, all good and better. Well, it, it sounds like you've reached a, a mutually acceptable detente. So, yeah, pretty much. She's yeah. a very forgiving lady. I can vouch for that. Is that well, she's going out with me, so it has to be fairly That's forgiving. right. Speaking of forgiving ladies... Um, should we talk about Bronwyn Bishop, the uh, the ex speaker of the the uh, Parliament? I think we should. Although you skip, you managed to get out of talking about whether you hated any job in your past. Oh, customer service, absolutely. Catch yeah. got loathe it. That's awesome. You get to talk to beautiful people every day, knowledgeable people, people that are friendly, um, mannered, um, offer you integrity, and you accepting of your knowledge and things that you can offer them. But you've just described me, but what about the dickhead I have to talk to? <laughs> yeah, so maybe maybe not this episode, Simon, but as host, could we have a like a customer service anecdote of the, 
episode? Oh, I'll, I'll give you one right now. Okay. When I, when, when I was working for what became Vodafone prepaid, it wasn't at the time. Uh, the, the absolute champion of dipshits uh, rang up and, oh, my, my phone, I can't receive calls on my phone. I can't make calls on my phone. And there was another thing, I can't remember what he said. And I just had a flash of inspiration and I said, have you turned it on? <laughs> His response in all seriousness was, how do I do that? But we went was, on to make podcasts together, so something good came out of it. Yes, and I've, since I've wasted two perfectly good segues to get into this story, I'm just going to say, <laughs> politicians' entitlements, can we do better? Can we, David? Can we, Black? Yeah, look, I'll jump no. in. <laughs> All right, we can't. So yeah. I'll jump in first. I'm going to put what might be a contentious viewpoint. So for those outside of Australia, in the past two weeks, we've had the issue of the Speaker... Um, of the House of Representatives, which in US terms is the... Oh, God. Yeah, it's the Speaker as well in the House of Congress. Yeah. Mm. Yep. Um, House of Representatives, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Was uh, caught out having flown a chopper from Melbourne to Geelong, which is, well, in drive time, Simon's, what, it's about an hour to an hour and a half, depending if you're coming from central Melbourne, an hour? About an hour and a half if the yeah, traffic's yeah. up. Um, and rather than, you know, have to slum it in traffic, she had a chopper chartered to get to this political uh, fundraiser. Luxury. Yeah. Luxury chopper or luxury fundraiser? Both, well, probably. I don't think any fundraiser could ever be considered a no. luxury. Uh, a and it costs... Uh, what was the chopper chip? Was that the $5,000 one? I've lost track now. That was the grand, yeah. Yeah. Um, quite rightly an uproar. She's not the most likable lady at the best of times. Um, under pressure, under pressure for two weeks. Uh, a whole bunch of other questionable... When I say questionable, it was all within the rules, but, you know, morally didn't look great. Um, spending the issues. Better of it, yes. Yeah. Not and, the intent. And she resigned um, as Speaker yesterday, and now the Prime Minister's come out and said, look, it wasn't her fault, it's more that the entitlements regime is a problem, I'm going to commission a review. Now, my viewpoint is that there absolutely should be a review of the entitlements. The entitlements are rorted left, right and centre. And I think the reason is because politicians aren't paid enough. That if you put them on, I'm actually going to go as far as saying two to three times what they're on now and say, but all your travel and that falls within your salary, so you're not claiming that on top, a lot of this would go away. Roman Bishop is on a, over three hundred grand per annum. How much you really think she's yeah, worth? Yeah, maybe twice for her. So the speaker, to be fair, the the, the speaker's position, I, I'm pretty sure I'm right on this, is the highest paid parliamentary position. I think it's actually more than the prime minister. No, nah, it's not. It's, it's not. not. Nah, it's not anywhere near it. Actually, it's. I think um, is Abbott on something like three seventy or something like that. Uh, yeah, so what it is, um, I did have it a second ago. You scroll down. So it's actually a percentage-based thing. So the base rate, um, as of a couple of years ago, was a... It depends on the state that you're in, that you live in. So, for example, yeah. New South Wales is 140,000. Northern Territory is 135,000. But if you're 
the Prime Minister, you get an additional 160% of that. Uh, if you're Deputy Prime Minister, you get an additional 105%. Okay. And the Speaker of the House, um, which is what she was, got an additional 75% of that. Okay. On top, yeah. On top mm. of base, yeah, okay. Yeah. On top of base. Yeah. So it's still a decent way. I would argue, yes, um, a good speaker would be worth twice that. I don't think there is such a thing as a good speaker within the Australian parliamentary system. But just for every, everyone who's not Australian or, or, or Australians that don't pay attention <laughs> uh, to any of this nonsense, um, the, it's, the speaker is always elected from the... Uh, the the leading party, the majority party in the House. Uh, so Westminster-based system we've got here, but it's not quite the same as the, the British Westminster system. In the British Westminster system, anyone who's elected to be Speaker of the House has to resign from their party so they can at least present the impression of being uh, non-partisan, which sounds like not a bad idea on, on the face of it. That's not the case in the Australian federal parliament. They stay, the speaker stays a member of the party and is very much a tool and instrument of the majority. Um, and, and this particular speaker seems to have been one of the more flagrant and obvious uh, exponents of, of that, which is one of the reasons why she's just that and she can be a bit of a battle axe. And yeah. I, I, it's not a particularly nice way of putting it, but let's face it, anyone who knows anything about Bronwyn Bishop knows that she is to be charitable a warrior for the cause. Yes. And she, she's quite happy to trample on the faces of anyone who gets in her way. And, uh, and in this instance, she's the one that's gotten trampled. Yes. No, that sums it up nicely. So, I mean, what, what's your thoughts on... So the, the traditional view is you pay peanuts, you get monkeys, or people... The, the alternate position is that they're monkeys and that's all they deserve. So I, I tend to be on the you pay peanuts, you get monkeys side of the equation it doesn't stop a good quality person that's not from a uh, you know a lawyer or a union organizer background which are the predominant um, feeders in oh and staffers I think staff being a political staff is actually the number one um, profession or career before people go into parliament I think that needs to change in a big way but if you if you had a lot more money thrown at these guys with some more performance criteria, on them and, and some expectations around, you know, what they're doing for that money, I think you'd end up with a better system. Yeah, that would definitely be better. For example, if the education guy got a pay rise based on the standing of Australian education... That's right. Dependent, ...compared to, say, America or whatever the international ranking is for education. Well, that would be fair. The Liberals are always trying to get some sort of performance-based um, uh, rating and uh, remuneration on teachers. So it would be fair if the yeah. Minister of Education had exactly the same thing applied to him or her, exactly. depending on whoever it turns out to be. That's right. See, we're in yeah. agreement. Yes, we, we have consensus. <laughs> They're still all loathsome dicks for the most part. I wouldn't, I wouldn't cross the road to piss on them if they're on fire. But, um, I, I mean, some are better than others, obviously. Yes, I've done, I've, no one's start jumping up and down about this too much. But let's face it, a certain type of person uh, is called 
to hold high office and serve their nation in this particular way. Uh, and I don't know that there's a way of stopping that particular type of person. Yeah, I think get- they make up about half. Like, I think of half to 70% are those, and then there's 30 to 50% that go in it for the right reasons, some of which end up going down the wrong road, but then some of them manage to keep their, keep their um, bearings throughout. You got some examples? Oh, yeah, I've got. Yeah, yeah, there is one actually. Um, Peter Garrett, he went into it for the right reasons, but then he just hit a loggerhead of walls on the realization of how hard it is to actually get anything done. And he. Um, That's right. And he, has a, he didn't really achieve much, but you can still tell that his heart's in the right place. He got, he got screwed over by back, being backstabbed by a few people and that sort of thing, but his heart was still in the right place, but he just hit a wall of how things actually happen and the turnover and, um, yeah, he didn't get anywhere near as much done as what he hoped to achieve. Yeah. He, he may well, I think he probably got screwed over by the factions. Yeah, um, pretty and, much. And maybe, maybe being a little naive when he went into it. I'll tell you, there is one Australian politician that I do respect, and that's Mel Meninga. Because he got out before he ran for election. Yeah. Uh, just, just for our foreign listeners, uh, Mel Meninga was a uh, basically a football player, which the code doesn't matter. Um, he he got up. He was held a press conference to announce that he was uh, he was uh, standing for a local seat, and he didn't even get the, complete the sentence before he decided that no, this wasn't for him, and he just he just walked away. Yeah, it was a radio interview. Yeah, yeah. No, it was, it was televised as well. I remember watching the footage. He did not only did he not finish the press conference, he didn't finish the sentence. Yeah, it was glorious. I thought, yeah, you you probably would have done quite a good job because you walked away. Um, I'm going to give two examples of people that I'm 99 percent confident were highly ethical and uh, motivated people for all the right reasons. Well, uh, right. personal involvement, and that I've mentioned before, I used to be in the Australian Democrat, so I'd argue that two former leaders. Uh, Meg Lees and uh, Natasha Stott Despoja were two of the most ethical people I could see that I'd come across, were in it for totally the right reasons, had, were massively intelligent, massively on top of their briefs and would have made brilliant ministers in a government if their party had ever gotten to that level. Yeah, Natasha was pretty good, actually. She was one of the few that brought the Democrats, like, increased their standings substantially. Just on her own, she, like I, I just voted for whoever you know. You don't mind being ripped off by the most. Yeah. That's actually what, what it's like. But she was actually pretty good and had some good values and stuff. So yeah. I voted her for a while. But now they've gone back into obscurity. Oh, they're gone. Yeah, they're essentially gone. Yeah, I had the pleasure of spending a lot of hours with both of them and um, had a hell of a lot of time for both of them. Yeah. So doesn't prove anything really. It just means I could have been sucked in, but. I think there are some good people in there. I, I don't. I think they are outnumbered by the people in it for the money, but not by a lot. I think the main problem with politics is that uh, too many politicians are career politicians. I think a career politician is a bad thing. Yeah, agreed. Um, term limits, I, th- I think, is something that really seriously needs to be looked at. Yes, it's it's a bit of a, an issue just having a, a continual crop of of greenies coming in. When I say inexperienced people, not the political party. Um, that's that is an offset, and yes, uh, you you can lose really good people, but 
I don't think there's going to be that many of them that would be such a critical sacrifice that having term limits um, would would really be a worse solution. A part of the problem is that, uh, and it's like any anything when uh, lawyers, uh, for instance, be like this. You, you lose sight of what you're doing and why you're doing it and you just start getting caught up in the game. That's right. Politics is, I mean, if you've ever, ever listened to, uh, well, Question Time in the Australian Parliament or Question Time in uh, any other Westminster uh, system, it, it's, it's a farce, it's a joke, it's a, a ludicrous waste of time for the most part. And uh, there's, there's too many people who are entrenched in the system that consider too many sacred cows, which is why anyone who goes into it trying to change things from within is doomed to either obscurity or being, being corrupted just by the number of compromises they have to make in their political career in order to get themselves to a point where they could actually affect meaningful change. You sound like you've watched two or three seasons of House of Cards. I haven't actually watched. What you mean the the, uh, the, the, one the US one? Sorry, yeah. No, I'm, I've I've watched the well, I've the watched British, the original yeah. one many moons ago. And I, but other than that, I just try and pay attention. Yeah, no, I know. But it, I like the yeah. I've talked about House of Cards before. The US version is just stupendous. It's great. Yeah, I'm saving that one up. Yeah. Daredevil is awesome. Daredevil. Daredevil. Yeah, it is very good. It's good. Extremely good. Um, so, yeah, my view is pay them more, give them less perks on the side. And I've got to be honest, from my involvement in politics, I worked out pretty quick, you wouldn't want to be a lower house member for quids. A, a backbencher in the Senate, yeah, I could see that might be all right. Get to get your teeth into some policy and, and do some stuff behind the scenes that's substantive. But I'm stuffed if I'd want to be a local member. They can have the hours they do. Yeah. They, yeah, they don't get paid very well for it, and they just get screwed over all the time. Yeah, I just, like, oh, you, you get nutters, you get people with agendas trying to bring you down from the inside, and that's just in your own party, let alone the constituents. Yeah, if you want to make out like a bandit, go into local council politics. They're oh, that's, that's a, yeah, that's even worse. See, I, I can't remember, I mentioned, I, I ran for local government once, and that scared the living bejesus out of me. I, I remember being there on election night, going, oh, God, I hope I don't get elected. And I didn't, but I was so relieved. What percentage of votes did you get? Um, oh, long, boring story on the voting system, but I got about 14%. Oh, so you need, I needed about 17% to get elected. It was like a proportional thing. So I, I actually went closer than I would have li- felt comfortable with. So what caused a change of heart? Uh, it was, it was dealing... Because local government is so grassroots and I was doing all my own preference negotiations and because I was with the Democrats, smaller party, whatever, I was dealing with just some outright nutters and, and I just went, I don't think I want to do this anymore. So I was quite relieved. I have a simple philosophy and it's one that's, um, that's espoused by one of the, the age's great thinkers and uh, it's a good catch-all uh, and it's, it's simply this. Burn it with fire. <laughs> That's what we need to do. Burn it all down. Let's have a revolution. And that works for venereal diseases, everything. Burn it with fire, it'll fix it. Yep. Yep. Um, it's also a good thing to do with cassettes. <laughs> 
You are the master of the segue. Is, is that a is that a segue? Oh yeah, he's a master. Am I sensing a segue there? He's a, he's a segue Jedi. Yes, it's a that's <laughs> two wheeled variety, off road. Um, so, yeah. so is vinyl about to make way for cassettes? What a, what an insane question! Yeah, <laughs> that, it is. That's the one that's been posed. What yeah. So I, I put that one up based on one article only where a guy was making the claim that vinyl, which has had a massive increase, I think it's the highest sales now since 1995 of vinyl and it's keeping going up. But this guy was making the prediction that it's probably going to peak. Well, yeah, that's obvious. And that uh, people are getting sick of vinyl, that maybe it doesn't sound as good as what people remember and the actual physical hassle of carrying, owning, storing vinyl is going to have a bit of a backlash and that um, maybe cassettes might be the next big thing. Now, as someone that grew up, cassettes were my thing from when I bought my very first real album, which was, uh, what was it, Prince's Purple Rain in 1984, right up until, you know, the early 90s, cassettes were my main thing. Um, I would never go back to cassettes. I love my vinyl now. Um, I can't imagine going back to cassettes, and they're a bitch to store. They're a bitch to find the song that you want to play on. Well, there's that too. If you play the wrong side, oh. Yeah, in their defence, what I do like is their robustness, as dumb as that sounds. Vinyl, you scratch it, it's stuff for life. What I liked about cassettes is that even, yes, you can wear them out, but if you've got uh, a tape that still otherwise sounds all right and the tape snaps, I know many a time I would unscrew those little bastards and I would get a tiny little bit of sticky tape and cut it up and I could tape the tape together and uh, wind it back in and play the thing still. That's robust. Yep, you could edit the, the uh, what was it, like, was it six mil tape in there? Yeah, yeah. You can, yeah. You, I mean, you obviously you can record over it. You could do all sorts of cool things. So it had it had its place, but yeah, the immediacy of it's not great. Um, even the endless waiting for the damn first song to start for the tape to wind on. No, there's lots of. I just can't see it catching on. And you're getting back to less than CD cover cover art. So one of the biggest attractions of vinyl, and the one of the reasons I like it as much as the music itself, is the cover art. It's probably it, the main it, reason I collect it. It does yeah. have a it does have a niche market. I think apparently it's doing okay with uh, me- heavy metal guys with like they, cassettes. their artwork. Yeah, cassettes. Okay, but it's pretty niche. And some other group, um, oh, like hipsters or something like that. I can't remember who they were, but um, your hipsters had their teeth in like a vinyl. It. That's for sure. Um. um because there are t- there's certain demographics for sure with vinyl and there, there's what you would claim are the hipster demographic and then there, I had to laugh today, I know I've cited two or three times about one of the inspirations for this podcast and I, don't worry, I'm not going to say tell them Steve Dave. But Just did. Yeah, I know. But the WTF podcast with Mark Maron. Now, Mark Maron, I was listening to his latest episode today and he was talking about how he was in a vinyl store, he loves vinyl, in um, Colorado somewhere and he said he looked up and he had a mate with him, asked him a question about one of the vinyl things, and another guy butted in and said no, and it actually corrected him on the information. He said, I looked at him and realised he looked just like me. 
He said, and then I turned around and realised there were four or five other guys and they all looked like me because he said, I'm 50 and there are all these 50-year-old guys pouring through these boxes of vinyl trying to capture those precious bits of their childhood or young adulthood and it's a never-ending search that you're never able to leave. That Yeah, that's true. I, I got managed to get some records that I my old man used to listen to when I was a kid of a band that probably no one has ever heard of called Klaatu. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, I have heard of them actually. Yeah, and yeah, so that's when I bought, well, my missus got me the, um, the turntable uh, for my birthday last year. So, yeah, so I set them up and listened to them a few times and yeah, it's a, it's a short, sharp baseball bat to the head for going back to uh, yep. a long time ago. Exactly. And you've just proven that your better half is a brilliant woman in that she doesn't worry if you don't ask her how a day was and she buys you a turntable. Doesn't get much better than that. Oh, it doesn't. You couldn't buy a better one on eBay. <laughs> so, Simon, what's your thoughts? Uh just thinking how old you guys sound. Yeah, I know. But you, you, uh, yeah, but you're my age. Ish, yeah. Yeah, I'm being kind. Yes. <laughs> you, what, what, I mean, growing up, were you, you had record, records or cassettes? Um, a bit of both, but I... Don't I, say eight track. No, I'm that old. No, I know you're not. Um, although eight tracks would make more sense to bring back because the fidelity of them was a lot yeah. higher than the, the Philips um, audio compact cassette. Yeah, um, that, that was the VHS beta equivalent. Yeah, the, the, the beta yeah. was a technically superior system to VHS. Yeah. So, But anyway, <laughs> the, that aside, um, to me, tapes were... Well, tapes were basically for me back then, were the equivalent of ripping something to, yes. to, to an MP3. Um, it's, I'd buy the album, I'd buy the vinyl, and then I would make a copy of it onto tape, which I would then listen to to save wear and tear on the record. Hmm. Um, but it's... The, the, you could never get really get rid of the hiss, even with Dolby BC or whatever the hell. Yeah. Um, its reduction. Uh, it, it was always a grotesquely inferior system. Uh, you needed to make sure that you demagnetized the heads and uh, clean the, the capstans to, to stop sticking, jamming, and clogging. Um, ten- tape tensioning was always a, a, a bit of a bugger. And then, of course, you well, what sort of tape do you use? Do you use the uh, do you just slum it and get the cheap ones and get the the uh, ferric oxide ones or do you get the chromium dioxide ones or do you go all the way up to metal yeah metal i remember those never could afford those no they were bloody expensive yeah. um i in all honesty i and i missed out on on these as well and couldn't have afforded them if if i could but if uh, if i had to fall back on any kind of tape technology i'd probably go for reel to reel because they're just kind of cool yeah they do look cool um one thing in defense of cassettes though was portability at the time so I started listening to a lot more music because I had a cassette Walkman, and that's one thing you obviously couldn't do a vinyl easily. <laughs> cassette Walkman. I'll, I'll tell you a quick story about a cassette Walkman. When I uh, was 16 or 17 or whatever the hell it was when they, they first came out, they were ludicrously expensive at the time. Mm-hmm. And I spent, whatever it was, three or $400 buying, buying one of these things that had 
you know, you could actually run around with them and, and stuff like That's that. Right. And jitter and just some, the heads would move and that sort of thing. So I ended up spending a fortune on this one. And anyway, the day that I bought it, I got out on my bike and I was riding along down near Lake Illawarra and along this road and this bus, for some reason, was swerving all over the road and swerved across the road. I think the guy was falling asleep and he headed for, was heading straight for me as I was riding my bike. So I freaked out. I jumped over the gutter on the bike and as I jumped up over the gutter onto the footpath, I looked down to the side and my brand new Walkman had unclipped itself mm-hmm. <laughs> from, from my belt or pants or whatever it was, flown through the air, landed on the, on the, the sidewalk and just exploded into a thousand oh, pieces. Oh, no. See, that's, that's, that's like I, devastating. I'd, I'd literally gone maybe 500 metres from home no. and that was... That was as long as I owned that thing for. As a teenager, I don't know what I would have found oh. the will to live beyond that. Quite honestly, I'm not taking the piss. That I'd be devastated. Oh, I was devastated. Yeah, gotcha. devastated. Maybe it's because they realised you were playing Klaatu. Ah, oh, no, I wasn't playing that. It was hits <laughs> of the 80s of Queen or something like that. I don't know. Oh, Queen. Don't start me. That'd, that'd, be, that'd almost be as bad as dropping your 3DS. Yeah. Yeah. In today terms, or it, today, yeah. it was, it, yeah, it was the equivalent of that guy when he, when the the iPhone six come out, I think it was, Body and he opened it. the case upside down and it smashed on the sidewalk. Yeah. Oh, yeah, like, we, that's right. We went one of the first ones lined up. Yeah, yeah, it was the eighties equivalent of yeah. that. Oh yeah, oh. except it wasn't wasn't for the world to see. But see, the cassettes too, the, the Walkman was one example of technology going backwards. There was a cassette Walkman, then they put out the CD Walkman, and it was ten times shitter. Yeah, because it used to stutter and jitter. You couldn't do anything with it. You, you, <laughs> you couldn't walk with it. You couldn't do anything. And they'd chew through the batteries at a colossal yeah, rate. That's right. That's right. Uh, there you go. Get there off you... my lawn, child. <laughs> There's one of the, one of the um, weird sort of... Uh, carry-ons from the the old compact cassettes was it became a kind of handy way of augmenting the say you, you had an older car that only had the uh, the tape deck yeah you could actually get uh, like a little a little dummy cassette that yeah. had that ran out and you could plug it into a into a, a portable cd player that's right i remember that oh that's funny cheaper than ripping the whole console out yeah god yeah but even, you know, mixtapes. And, yeah, look, cassettes have... I, it won't surprise me if they catch on again. I'll just see it as disappointing compared to vinyl. I don't think it's an improvement. Um, I said there is shit to store. Yes, vinyl's tall, but for every cassette you can store... What did I work out the other day? I mean, if you stack cassettes three high, which is a shit, um, you're still getting about one extra LP per cassette. So it's, it's just dumb. Yeah, anyone who wants to indulge in compact cassettes i think we'd find out pretty quickly that it's that the glamour is um well the the idea is more attractive than the reality yeah although i did notice i did um encounter once uh, you know how you can get these uh, sort of slip on silicon sleeves for usually iphones because that's what a lot of people seem to use and uh, you've probably seen ones that look like uh, the side of a, a compact cassette yeah, that's, I've actually got my 
my iPhone case is that. Yeah. Well, uh, I was in a in a, a flea market one day, and I overheard a a young lady. Uh, you know, it's probably someone in a sort of like sixteen, eighteen, somewhere around there, um, exclaiming, "Is this what my iPhone case is based on?" Yeah. She she got it because she liked the look of it. She had no idea what, what the it was was originally. That's uh, funny. Jeez, so, if that doesn't make you feel old, I don't oh, know. Oh yeah, it's sort of yes, yes. It's just sort of you get a get a trowel and, and chisel away the the the, the crusted um, debris. Uh, you know, it's an archaeological archaeological discovery. Yeah. And you're buried right along there with it. And, the, yeah, that's just freaking awesome. Thank you. Yeah. And longevity too. Tapes have fairly good longevity of store well. I've still got bundles of tapes when I was in a band in, as a 17, 18-year-old. And I've, I've digitised most of them now, but I can still put them in, believe it or not, I have a cassette deck still and play them and they, they play fine. Well, actually, yeah, they do. I, I sold my car, which I'd had for about 17 years, about three months ago, and I had a tape deck, and I and I showed the person I sold it to, and he goes, "Oh, does a tape deck work?" And I go, "Oh, actually, I don't know, but I pressed play on it, and there was a tape in there which I didn't know, MC Hammer, and it it still blared away Jeez. on the one speaker that worked. Yeah, but on the mono. God, but, the amount of heat and cold it would have been exposed to over the years in the car. Exactly, but I didn't even know it was there. But yes, it was. It had been there. So, but I haven't got another tape player to play it, so I didn't keep it. See, the, the old cinema, days. MC Hammer. The old days were better. Kids these days, they don't know how good they got it. I reckon, I reckon what's going to happen is they'll skip. They'll, they'll skip a generation. Instead of going from vinyl to compact cassette, they'll go to DAT or oh, DC. That would be funny. Or, or mini-disc. Because oh. mini-disc was cool. Yeah, mini-disc was cool. Or, um, it yeah. was a total waste of time. Or cast singles. Maybe they won't do full cassettes. They'll just have cast singles. Oh, God, that was such an awful idea. <laughs> <laughs> At least the 45 took up less space. Yeah. Uh, funny stuff. There you go. I've, I've got the cassette stuff out of my system now. Yeah. What was the first cassette? So I've said Purple Rain by Prince was my first real album. What was? Do you remember what your first cassettes were? Or records, sorry. It doesn't matter which. Uh, I yeah, I do. But Blackie can go first. <laughs> my first yeah, my first um, cassette that I bought was a 1982. Um, like with a board it was or one like, of those ones. Yeah, like one of those ones, just a mix mix yeah. thing. And the first, the first record I received. <clears throat> so this is going back to 1974. When I was in kindergarten, no preschool, I was four years old. I don't know the seventies. No, I was three, three and a half years old. So it was Christmas, nineteen seventy-three. It must have been because I was in preschool, and my parents had just bought their first um, deck for yeah. playing their sound system, right? And for whatever reason, my mum came up like it was it was a Christmas, so. Santa come along and the parents buy the presents to give to the kids when Santa comes into the into the kindergarten uh, preschool, and for whatever reason, I got this um, 
record and it was all of kids' nursery rhymes and stuff like that. But I remember all the other kids were getting presents and, and that sort of thing. And I got this stupid freaking record, one that I hated music at the time, and two that I could do absolutely nothing with for the rest of the day. So these kids were all playing <laughs> with their toys and, and that sort Here's of thing. I was just, and I was so freaking angry of getting a freaking record that I, I didn't buy any for years and didn't listen to the, <laughs> the tapes and stuff like that up until about 1977 when my first album was that I actually went out and bought was I think it was Hot Bacon or Hot uh, Bacon yeah or Big or Big Pig or Hot something like that and it come or Hot Boar or something and it, and it had a poster with it of latest songs at the time and it had a poster of a boar and it was the first album that come out that had merchandise with it. And it had this pig with sunnies on that you could hang on the wall. Oh, that rings a bell. Yeah, yeah. So it was a compilation again. Yeah, compilation yeah, again. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Simon, come on, you've got to come up with something impressive. Like a, you know, personally signed copy of Dylan or what, what do you got? Um, well, it was, it actually also comes with a poster or came with a poster. Um, it would cost all my pocket money. And it was a, a double LP recorded by the London Symphony Orchestra, um, soundtrack of a little movie that came out uh, the year before called Star Wars. Oh, nice. Oh, Have you still got it? it? I've still got it. It's, uh, it's about uh, three feet away from where I'm sitting at the moment. Is that the... What's the cover? What's the Is cover? Like yeah, blue, like... Blue cover? Yeah, blue. Yeah, because I had a blue one. No, it's, it's, it's black. Um, okay. Hang on. Hold on. Uh, talk amongst yourselves. <laughs> oh, the interactive medium that is podcasting. Yeah, because we had one... T- we got the... Um, that vinyl record as well of the Star Wars themes and... Yeah, and it was a blue, like, music. starry starry cover, the one I had, anyway. Yeah. But then I liked... It had, like, laser things on the, the cover of it. Yeah. Laser beams or something. We were obviously too tacky. Simon had the hoity-toy version, the John exactly. Williams personal edition orchestral. Yeah. So I, I, I'm going to paint the picture here, having never been to Simon's place, that he's currently on his hands and knees going through boxes of records and brushing aside the Divine Records. Whoops. Oh, Barbra Streisand. Yeah, I didn't realise it had Barbra Streisand. Okay. I'm Banana Muscuri. Yeah. Stop, for God's sake. I was just saying you're brushing through your records and, you know, getting rid of the Barbara Streisand and the Divine looking for the Star Wars one. Uh, no, but there is a Frankie Goes to Hollywood double album. Oh, in don't that. knock Frankie. He's a legend. I, he? <laughs> Not Frank Sinatra. No, Frankie Goes to Hollywood. Was he had a sex change? Moving on. Um, so the Star Wars double album, that this is basically it's just black with Star Wars in white printed on the front of it. Okay. On the back, it has got a, a picture of Darth Vader um, sort of um, superimposed on a, a star field. Nice. Inside, it has, well, uh, pictures from the, the movie, actually. What's the um, code? You know how on the back of vinyl it has a code number, usually up the top right or the top left? Uh, yep. You want me to read? Yeah, because I'm going to Google it. So this is scintillating radio. <laughs> uh, 
It is uh, L for Lima. Yeah. Hyphen four five. I can't believe we're doing this. Yeah. <laughs> so L four five seven. Yep. Five three slash four. Okay. I'll Google that and I'll tell me exactly whether it's the original one. It's a twentieth century records. Yep, so I've got it. Discogs, which is one of the better sites. And you watch the whole podcast will drop out when it tries to load this page. Distributed so, oh, by yes. William Star Wars Vinyl Records. Yeah, nineteen seventy seven. So I I doubt it's no, I can tell you it's not worth anything because you can get 135 copies of it starting at $6 Australian. So you're, you're not sitting on a gold mine, but I still reckon that's a damn cool record. I didn't, I didn't think I was. No, but I, I want one now. So for $6, I might buy one. That sounds like I can get one. I might be able to get a spare. Yeah. I also got the story of Star Wars Return of the Jedi and the Adventures of Luke Skywalker, the Empire Strikes Back record albums. Dialogue and music from the original motion picture soundtrack. See, that's cool. See, that one's probably a bit rarer. Who knows? Um, Whoever sells my crap after I'm dead will probably learn a lot more about that. I, I don't really give a damn. Well, can I have your vinyl? No. Because oh. you're probably not going to outlive me. No, got- true. And Miko, never underestimate Miko as a Star Wars music artist. Does anyone even... If, if uh, anyone listening doesn't know who Miko is, uh, Google that, because uh, if, you, if you want to hear a, a disco version of the Star Wars theme... It's the only way to go. That's the, uh, your only source for Star Wars disco. M-E-C-O, Miko. He's still around. Maybe he'll advertise on the podcast. Dear God, we're getting desperate. <laughs> your second advertisement. Ugh. <laughs> uh. I don't no, think no. the budget allows for two treks down to the post office to uh, <laughs> That's right, travel collect them. I won't, you never know. He could be already working on disco version of The Force Awakens. Actually, I'm looking at a Miko album now, so I did a search as well. And he's got, not only has he got the record, but the vinyl has a picture of a stormtrooper on it. I've got, I've got nearly all of Miko's work. There's just one that, was it Simon, you mentioned was called Ewok something and I'm still trying to track that one down. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> but I've got all his work besides this Ewok celebration LP which apparently is quite rare. Can't find it. Even if I did know I wouldn't own up to it. No, true. You, you can put that on the top shelf when you get it with the, uh, the Wookiee Christmas special. That's, that's right. Don't start. VHS tape that you have. Yeah, well, let's not get into lumpy territory. It's the holiday special. Yeah, holiday special. Holiday special, sorry. Well, we're and, there. Can I talk about comics for a yeah, few seconds? Yeah, go. Um, I just published a, an article, blog post on the Comics Herald because I was so impressed. I um, The whole Marvel Secret Wars thing I've mentioned, I think it was on this podcast last episode, left me totally cold, just had no interest in it. Read digitally, Secret Wars number one. Went, yeah, same old shit, not really that interested. But I was interested, I don't know why, in the title called 1872. So for those not into comics, essentially Marvel's killed their entire universe geographically and it's now, there are all these disparate little regions on what's called Battle World. And then eventually I assume that'll all become whatever the new universe is. And one part of Battleworld is essentially the Wild West in the year 1872. So I don't know why. I, I ordered it, went and picked it up last week from the local comic shop, 
and finally got round to reading it um, last night. And um, I was amazed at how, how good it was. So Wild West Town called Timely, which for comic nerds will know, Timely was the precursor to Marvel. I think that's where Stan Lee started, didn't he? I'm sure it was Timely, Stan Lee started. Um, the mayor of this western town, Simon, is Wilson Fisk. Aha. Uh-huh. Um, the sheriff is some guy called Steve Rogers. Don't know him. <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> um, the town drunk is someone called uh, Mr. T. Stark. Um, okay, I'm intrigued. Yeah, the, the local journalist uh, who hasn't appeared in the Daredevil TV series, but I'm... No, yes, he has. Sorry, he totally has. Um, ben Urich. Mm-hmm. Um, he's the editor of the local, you know, rag in the western town. Um, there's a local nerdy boy called Bruce Banner. Did none of them have powers? There's none of that. Um, it's just a western town and then an Indian guy has been captured crossing the desert because uh, Wilson Fisk has dammed up the river um, and that's Red Wolf, which is a very uh, little-known Marvel character from the late 70s that never really gained much traction. But just brilliant. First issue, just love it. I, I have an awful feeling it's only a miniseries. I haven't actually confirmed that yet. But if, you, if you're after something to jump on with the new Marvel Universe or the fracturing Marvel Universe, this, you could do a lot worse than 1872. So I know you'll check it out, Simon. I assume I, I th- issue one's been out maybe three weeks now. Um, I'm due for another visit to the, the comic shop. Yeah. So two might even be there when you go down because I, I don't tend to worry about getting them as soon as they come out. But um, so there you go. I've still got to catch up on the Vader comic book. I've got, I've got all the issues now. Yeah, Vader's to... great. But, uh, yeah, stick, them into, stick the, the codes into comicsology and, uh, and then just view them on the old surface on the tram. Yes. And the, I've just picked up Lando show, issue one too, which I haven't read yet. When I picked up eighteen seventy two, so I Land- hear what you think of that. Yeah, next episode I'll report back. So anyway, that was just my comic mention. Excellent. You got any comic thoughts, Blackie? No, nah, not really. I'm still just. Uh, I'm not a superhero type fan. I just generally read like Knights of the Dinner Table, those sorts of alternate ones. Nice. A fan of Little Dot, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> I love Richie Rich Digests and they had plenty yeah. of Little Dot in them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, that's a blast from the past. I haven't thought of Little Dot in little 30 lotter. years. A lotter. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Uh... Actually, that's what I, I, when I was a kid, I used to go up to um, Parkside Plaza, at, yeah, local shop, and let's spend me um, pocket money getting a Richie Rich comic. and. Oh, yeah. Go home on a Sunday, a Saturday afternoon, and sit down and read it while parents unpack all the shopping and do that sort of thing. It was oh, very yeah. relaxing for me. And then I collected Mad for a while, so Mad Mag, uh, yeah. And Archie, so I've just, um, I'm waiting to go and pick up Archie number one. They've just rebooted Archie, so I'm looking forward to rebooting him into the modern era. Yes. Real world Archie. Yeah, real world. So that'll be interesting read. My early, my early experience with comics was all very much geared towards the country of origin. So it was all um, Beano and, oh, of the, course. and Wizard and Chips and 
good God, it sounds like talking about something from a boys. Yeah, I know. But the, yeah, the Viz, Viz ones were good because they were, they, were, they were different. They were a bit more anarchy-type style from, from England, and they were exciting. And 2000 AD. The, like, 2000 AD was stunning. 2000 AD was bloody banned. Oh, really? So I, I owned, and one of my biggest regrets, I owned a couple of hundred of those pulp paper ones that they initially put out. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think I might have even given them away or sold them for next to nothing. I so regretted that. Yeah, well, look, if you think cassette tapes take up a lot of space, a couple of hundred pulp... Of those comp- ones, yeah, they did. Yeah, yeah. Especially as they swell with the moisture in the atmosphere. <laughs> That's right. Uh, Rogue Trooper, there was a... Oh, Rogue Troopers. I've, I have still got that video, Xbox video game. Oh, was there a... Oh, I didn't know there was a video game. It's a bit hard to track down, but uh, there are some things I'm not giving... They have to prize out of my cold, dead hand. Yeah. I've got the collected strips in, like, tray paperback, but that's about it. Yeah, there, there is something about having being able to handle one of the originals, regardless, yes. regardless of uh, whether it's vinyl or... A, a cassette tape or a comic book or a whatever. It's, it's nice to actually, especially if it's something you have had for years or I suppose like those those folks uh, that you were talking about before who uh, are actually trying to find things that they had once. Yes. They're, they're trying to get them back again. That's right. Maybe we should call this podcast We Hate Modernity rather than People. Mm, no, because I'm way too looking forward to uh, Disney Infinity 3 and the Star Wars. Yeah, true. And Force Awakens alone, I'm counting down the days. I saw that on the big screen. I went and saw Ant-Man. See, I'll I'll save that for Flashpoint. Went and saw Ant-Man and um, got to see the Force Awakens trailer on the big screen for the first time and nearly um, Hand and Chewie nearly brought another tear to my eye even after having watched it 20 times. Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. It's either going to be a, a very it's going to be either be a potent experience, or crushingly disappointing. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, there will be no in between. I, I can't <laughs> think an in between. No. no. So how long is the wait till it comes out? November the I forgot. I should know the date. November this something eighteenth. Anyway, whatever it is, someone will be screaming it as as I say this. But yeah. and it's going to be uh, it is going to be on IMAX as well. So if you can snaffle a ticket for an IMAX. Uh, of it, it might be worth a look. Speaking of things that aren't worth a look, iTunes has been called out for being a toxic hell stew. David, I believe you have a a, um, a, a contained and concise opinion on this. See, now I know how you feel on Flashpoint as far as having to do most of the talk, and it's quite stressful, isn't it? Yeah, it is. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I think I mentioned briefly once other time, I, I've used iTunes since iTunes, the original version, um, and I think it's just progressively gone to shit as it tries to stuff more and more features in there. It's harder to get around. So, yeah, this article um, was a indie... I don't know why they f- felt this guy had any particular clout, but he's an indie iOS developer, Marco Armont. And he's called it a toxic hell stew. And, Marco, you're bloody right. It's just, I don't know, I think a lot of our listeners, from what I gather with the podcast, don't listen. I know from our stats, most of our podcast listeners don't use iTunes. Um, On iOS, iTunes split out podcasts anyway to a separate podcast app, but I'm not seeing a lot of stats of people. Most people find alternate ways to listen to podcasts rather than using Apple's shitty products. 
Um, and as the article says, it, they just can't believe that a company that prides itself on design puts out this piece of shit. And they, this guy was arguing they should have just totally killed iTunes and with Apple Music's release put out a brand new application. And I'd have to support them on that. As long as you could import your previous stuff, because I'm obsessed about play counts. My biggest devastation would be if suddenly you couldn't know how many times you'd played a particular song. Well, I believe that that happened with the, the folding or sort of folding, not quite broken merge. There wasn't a merge between Apple Music and um, Apple Match. Yeah, so I had Apple uh, iTunes Match um, for a while there and it did stuff up some play counts. It, it ignored the whole previous year's play counts. So, it, yeah, I think a lot of people had problems. And Apple have no cognizance from what I can see that people actually worry about how many times songs have been played because it determines a lot of their playlists. I know I have a list that I purposely listen to most times where something hasn't been played this year yet. So it forces me to listen to music I haven't listened to for a while and that all relies on play counts. Or you could do it by date, last played, but I don't know. They've just lost the plot. We've been saying that for a while. Yeah, I'd, I'd have to agree with that. Um, I remember when they initially launched the first... Was, was either version 1 or version 2 that I, I first started using it? And back then it was just an, an MP3 player with, yeah. uh, with visualizations, so not terribly different to Winamp. But it was just... Uh, it was less cramped. And, yeah. and it was just a, a better piece of software. Uh, and boy, has that changed. Oh, yeah. Because it's it's the shop front for everything Apple sells. It's their it's their anchor. It's their it's their um, alien tendril that's burrowed its way oh. into your existence. And I I think they're probably afraid of segmenting or breaking it up, which is probably what they should do. Uh, because it's a, a bit like the the old Xbox, uh, the original Xbox 360 Blades interface. It was great when it first started, but then as more and more things got added to the Xbox functionality, it progressively got clunkier and weirder and just difficult to find things on. That's right. Regardless of how many times they try and uh, re-engineer, um, which is a little bit like trying to change the car on a car while the car's actually roaring down the autobahn at 300 miles an hour, um, it's, nothing they do actually seems to improve it. No. It actually, it's actually gotten more confusing. It's a dog. I mean, just a simple example. You accidentally or purposely click on the iTunes store link at the top. It starts to load, and sometimes it takes a while, particularly on my connection. While, it, while it's loading, or if I've accidentally clicked on it, I'll go, oh, I didn't want that. I actually want my playlist. So I click on the playlist button. I'm trying to navigate through to the playlist I want in my own library, and once iTunes load, now it doesn't sit there nicely in the background until you click it. It forces you back to that screen and you totally lose your place where you were navigating through your playlist. Mm. Just stuff like that. You go, how's that good? Yeah, and with Apple Music, it's like they've tried to introduce like a quasi-browser uh, interface to a point. But the, as you say, it, it doesn't function like a browser as pe- people would expect that sort of interface to behave so you're constantly ending up where you don't want to be or like you say thrown back and losing your place and it it is it's just uh, granted apple have apparently abandoned a lot of the the pro market that 
they was pretty much their bread and butter for the longest time, um, and focused more on consumer consumer side products and and you know keeping things fun and light and simple. This is the exception. Oh yeah, it's, it's just the this this kludgy cesspool of. Ugh, I don't know. I don't have a word for it. Oh, it's no, it's totally awful. It's, it's amazing. I'd be interested to see if they're making any changes with the upcoming um, El Capitan, if they're looking to introduce something, something, a, a new way of doing things for, uh, and maybe relaunching the program. I doubt it. God, I hope so. Whether it's Mac or P, you're a Mac or PC user, if you use iTunes, it's, it's a world of pain and you really are better off with any of the, well, Google Music, actually. It's, it, ain't, it ain't great, but hell, it it's nowhere near as broken. No. And, Blakey, I'm pretty sure you don't use iTunes at all, do you? Not at all. I, no. I hate I hate it with a passion. I hate being locked down to one system. I have I have been reading there's a couple of problems with with it majorly as well. So what was it, Apple Music or whatever it was that got launched recently? Yeah, they had some major problems with it. Yeah, um, and then yeah. I heard that if you if you merge your iTunes with your Apple Music, and then you cancel or delete Apple Music. It locks you out That's right. of all your iTunes music, including think, well, ones that, was that you may have added from CDs or whatever that you had yourself. That's right. So some pe- some people experienced that, other people didn't. But yeah, a lot of people experienced that, and that alone, you know, that should deserve a class action. Yeah, and and the other thing as well, if you buy an album on Apple Music, and it detects, say, you buy an album that's got, I don't know. 10 songs or 15 songs on the album, if you've already previously downloaded or got one of the songs in your album, it won't download that song and keep it with the album. It keeps it however it was That's in its right. previous state yes. as well, yeah. Yeah. which is massive pain in the ass to listen, listen to, you know, it's annoying. Yeah, agreed. So. Yeah, you, you basically have to stop it auto-managing. Auto, um, auto your files, yeah. as far as the local ones go. Really, your, your best bet is to avoid Apple Music. Download all of the tracks that you, if you've only got, the only copy you've got is what's stored on um, on uh, iTunes Match. Download all, all of that stuff, burn it to CD, and then just close your damn subscription. Yeah. That's the only way to be safe. Sadly, yes. And apparently they're bringing back home sharing, which they Got yeah, they of. got rid of, which I've never used, but I can see a lot of people did. Um, yeah. If only there was an, another way where people who like music could get together and fight for common cause, Simon. Uh, would the Foo Fighters be involved in such a... Oh, unlo- funny you should say that. Um, this is a really brief one. And I'm guessing nearly all of our listeners will have seen this by now, but if you haven't, go to YouTube and... and uh, just I think if you type in a thousand rockers and Foo Fighters, um, there was a guy in Italy who uh, wanted the Foo Fighters to come and play at this. Uh, I assume it's a city or large regional area in central Italy. I think it was. Spent a year coordinating a thousand musicians to turn up in this big field um, and play simultaneously the Foo Fighters "Learning to Fly" song. If you have, it's just amazing the video. So there must be. I don't know, 60 drummers, 60 to 100 no, actually, drummers. No, if, if, if you go through to the end and it does the credits. Oh, it tells you how many there are. 
Uh, it doesn't tell you the number, but if you look at the numbers, there would have been... There's a 1,000 all up. 200, 250 drummers. There you go. So 250 yeah. drummers and then the rest split across bass, guitar and vocals. Um, just amazing. And it's obvious how they did it in that every single person has a headset on, so they've just got one massive uh, PA system sending the, the click track or whether I don't know what they're, they're actually listening to to ensure... Because you can imagine across that geography, you get all sorts of time discrepancies unless oh, yeah. you did it that way. Click track. <laughs> yeah. Um, just amazing. And um, Dave Grohl, because he's a really cool guy, and I'm not surprised, but as soon as he saw this video, I went, yeah, of course, we'll play that region again. We'll see you when we see you next time that's we're touring. Susanna? Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Susanna in Italy. Amazing video. That's remarkable. Yeah. The dr- just watching the drummers in sync, like that all, and it's all age groups, sizes, shapes, <clears throat> genders, nationality. It's just great. Look, really cool. Yeah, the the drummers did look the best though. Would yeah. like all in sync playing. That looked really good. Yeah, brilliant stuff. You can't really go past mass drums. Nope. Uh, the the drummers are the coolest member of the band, or possibly the keyboard player. <laughs> As a keyboard player, I know you're talking out your ass. Yeah, drummers, drummers and lead guitarists tend to score the best. Yeah, at least drummers usually have biceps, which is more than you can say for most lead singers. That's right. If they can stand on the stage during a whole set. Because drummers tend to actually pack up their own gear. Singers just walk off. Yeah. <sighs> uh, I think that that sounded like an end. Yeah, we're done. Yeah, you're spent. I'm spent. Blackie, you spent? Oh, spent. Ten minutes ago, <laughs> we started Excellent. talking about Apple and that shit. I, I reckon no. you're you're on a down from just reliving your Walkman smashing on the pavement. Oh, it was. It brought back a tear to my eye. See, twinge to my heart. Oh, uh, it 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 sounds horrible. Much like this uh, this summary is going to be. <laughs> uh, so, thanks to everyone for listening to. This and more to the point, remembering that the podcast still exists as always. We are keen to hear your thoughts on the podcast, suggestions for topics, conspiracy theories, and/or death threats. Just send them to contact at oceanicgamer.com. You can follow us on Twitter. David's handle is at Creative Shed. I'm up at RPG Beats RL. And Blackie, do you have a, a Twitter handle? No, I don't have Twitter. And, um, David finally talked me into joining one of these uh, multimedia sites, so I went with uh, Grinder. So <laughs> I'll be on that now. Oh, you're joking, I, I, aren't you? <laughs> no, it was really good. <laughs> no? And uh, every, everything I do is, ugh, is just tight, and with me you get the whole package, so um, you can get me under tight but whole on Grinder. Okay, and for episodes, visit www.creativeshed.com or subscribe to us on iTunes if you have to, or Stitcher. Thanks to my co-host David Holloway and uh, extra, 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 extra special guest Stuart Black. I'm Simon Podman. This has been episode six or seven. Seven. Is it seven? Seven, yeah, it's seven. seven. Lucky seven. We hate people. Thanks again for listening, and as always... Something. To, yeah, something, something. <laughs> And don't forget, we, we have advertisers now, so we're cool. Yes. Um, if you can't listen to anything else, listen to us. Or how, these two. You only have one Twitter handle, Simon? Well, yeah. 
Because I, I have too many. This is ridiculous. I have about nine. Uh, why? Because, if, like, there's the Oceanic Gamer one, and then I have my personal one, which half of my friends from the podcast know anyway. It's just dumb. I don't know. I just, they've proliferated like your SWOTOR alts. I don't know. Oh, don't even get me started on that. <sighs> nice tight ending. Tight but whole ending. Well, it was a nice tight ending until you decided, decided to start blithering. So there's that. <laughs> exactly. Tends to go downhill from now. This thing's got more endings than the bloody Return of the King. <laughs> is this the end? Yeah. This is the end. Tell me it's the end. Please, the God. End. We, could, we could advertise now for the super extended edition <laughs> and end for another half an hour. No, I've, I've been learning from the best. Uh, the, this this whole section is a Patreon exclusive. <laughs> if we do Patreon. Oh, God. Just say goodbye, everyone. For the love of God, let's kill this thing. Thanks, all. Thanks for having me. Catch us next time. Go, Clarty. And farewell, and thank you. <laughs>